and welcome to the latest uh, Master Investor podcast. And I'm delighted. I'm Jonathan Davis, uh, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Konstantin uh, Sidorov, who is the founder and the CEO of the London Technology Club. Konstantin, uh, uh, welcome to this uh, podcast. Why don't you tell me first just a little bit about, uh, before we move on to talk about technology investing, which is the main thing that you uh, we're going to be talking about today. Tell us a little bit about your background and uh, how you came to be here in London, where I'm speaking to you. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, uh, my background is very simple and straightforward because I started my first business in technology in 1992 in Moscow. And I built a company starting with the three person in total till the size of more than 4,000 people and over 1 billion revenue in with geography in over uh, 20 countries. And actually that's what I did. So that's, uh, I started as entrepreneur, then I moved more and more into investment side and uh, then started in London, the London Technology Club. And that's my background, but everything what I did before, it was around tech, about tech, because it's my passion. Indeed. Uh, so, well, first of all, let's talk about the club, because uh, as a, I've been chairman of a club in London myself for a number of years. Uh, and uh, this, of course, the clubs are, uh, are fun places to be, fun places to uh, meet other people and uh, fun places to uh, entertain one's friends and, uh, and colleagues. Um, so let's start with that. That's the easy part. Uh, uh, what does the club do and, uh, you know, how do you qualify to become a member? Oh, we're a community of uh, institutional investors, high net worth individuals, family offices and professional tech investors. Uh, we have different kinds of activities. First, we organize a lot of events around tech. We try to show to our members what's going on in tech, uh, what's going on in very traditional sectors of economy and how tech disrupts those sectors. So, for example, we organize events around technology in uh, art, technology in wine, technology in construction, technology in formal one, and etc. So we, we, that, that's kind of the educational events, uh, what we're organizing, because I personally believe the more members knows about technology, the more confident they are regarding in terms of investing in tech. And so, so if I wanted to uh, to join this club, would uh, would you allow me to become a member? What would I have to do in order to qualify to become a member other than pay you some money or pay the club some money? I imagine there's a, <laughs> there is a, there is a membership fee and uh, it's probably not uh, it's not measured in uh, in hundreds. It's probably more likely measured in thousands, is it not? Uh, of course, you should be like-minded people, and uh, we have the veto right for our advisory board. So uh, we try to prevent conflict of interest, and definitely you should be tech investor. You should uh, uh, go through KYC processes everything in this world because we are FCA regulated company and so that's why we have now these days uh, have a quite strict procedure in terms of KYC but uh, the most important that uh, uh, the ideal member of the club 
should not only take something from the club, she should bring something to the club because each of our members uh, is specialist and have expertise in particular area, either it's a tech area, either it's in maybe traditional sectors, maybe it's finance, maybe it's some other kinds of expertise. So because networking is a big part of our activities and uh, we try to build a diversity of people who bring something very special to the club's community. So it's a network essentially where whereby, as you say, like-minded and people with relevant experience can get together and they can share their knowledge and understanding of the tech sector. Um, but how does that relate to the actual uh, investment activities of what, you, what you're doing at the moment? In other words, uh, I might come along to the club, I might uh, you know, pay some money, become a member and contribute to the discussions, um, but am I then uh, expected or, uh, or uh, likely to be, become an investor in one of your technology funds as well. Are the two related? How closely are they related? Uh, okay, I'll try to start with another side. You know, club is uh, provides opportunities. And then each of our member choose what kind of the opportunities they'd like to use. Either it's gathering knowledge about uh, club, about tech, either it's uh, knowledge, it's networking with uh, other people to help their own small tech or other project to develop, or to invest into the best opportunity what the club provides. So actually, we provide those opportunities, and then each of our members decide themselves either use all of them, maybe some of them, and etc. Uh, regarding your question about investment opportunities, we cooperate with uh, more than 20 different VC funds, who are also our members, from all over the world. And uh, we try to get these co-investment opportunities from them. Then we have our own due diligence because we have uh, analytical team who promote, who do this due diligence. And uh, then, then, then we provide the best projects to our member to co-invest. On top of that, we have our own fund belong to uh, the club which provide discretionary uh, opportunity to invest for those who'd like just to, to give money and uh, to rely on our expertise without their own involvement. Okay, so I get that. So there's a, basically there's two ways you do that. One is you offer them, as you say, direct access to interesting opportunities. And secondly, you give them the opportunity to invest through one of your pledge funds, as you call them. Uh, yeah, correct. Which are opportunities that you've sourced essentially yourself and you're not... And, you're, and indeed, you're investing in yourself personally, I believe. Is that right? Yes, uh, it's uh, also a good point because uh, it's about skin in the game. And uh, I invest uh, about 30% of uh, the funds to the funds. So that's actually, I'm the largest, one of the largest investors. And uh, that's why people who join the fund, who join the club, rely on my expertise as well as successful investor. Because I had actually in my career, I had quite good uh, examples and quite a good investments. I was quite lucky to, to, to be one of the investors in Spotify, they invested in Airbnb, in DD, in Lyft. So I, I had uh, 
quite a good successful exit. So many people like to invest where I invest. And that's also the reason why people join the club. Because uh, I would say that invest collectively, it's not so scary like to do it personally. Because many people rely on community expertise, expert expertise. And many people like to invest money where, for example, Elon Musk invested or Peter Thiel invested. So th that's how it works here as well. So in that particular case, Dave, I can ask this question um, uh, in the right way. Um, you've obviously been successful in investing in technology, as you said, uh, and, uh, and uh, benefited hugely from that. Uh, so why are you keen to have other people joining you in investing money with you in the fund? In other words, you know, you put in 30%, which is uh, people follow you. Uh, what's in it for you if you could presumably you could do those deals on your own? Uh, that was one of the reasons why I started to build the club, because usually an uh, investor, uh, especially investor in tech, has uh, three major problems. If you invest, uh, you usually have your core business and because investing is just part of what you're doing and you have no time so for proper due diligence you have no expertise especially if you're talking about the tech it's impossible to, to, to have expertise in even in all segment of tech you know biotech uh, AI fintech you know so many different different sectors and so that you usually you should have a team to, to to have proper due diligence proper expertise and uh, you have no time usually and that's why many investors at the end invest in uh, to uh, most annoying people with the best powerpoint presentation and the result is quite obvious so that's that and this is an issue Second problem is that for private person, even very wealthy person, is uh, it's very difficult to get allocation in the best companies. So if you are not Peter Thiel or Elon Musk, as I said, no one waiting you as a private individual to be in a cup table of successful, for example, US-based company. Because it's not about money when you try to get allocation. It's uh, about some incremental business value added, what you as the investor would bring to the company. And many founders, most successful founders, are looking for these incrementals rather than for your money. So, and it's extra, it's very difficult uh, to provide this value if you're just private individual. And third, uh, if we're talking about growth stage companies, so they, the minimum checks start from maybe three, five mil. So even for very wealthy people to invest this money into one project is, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, it's risky. So that's why it's a question how to pull money together from different investors, first to qualify it with this uh, uh, minimum check uh, requirement and uh, put money together to, to build the portfolio of the companies. So not just invest in one, all of your money. So 
that, and that's how I came to the idea why I have to build. Uh, I, I shouldn't be just any private individual investor. I have to be institutional investor. On top of that, when I moved to London and found that London is the capital of clubs, you, you, you would not find any other capital in the world with such an, you know, uh, culture clubs culture and uh, I found that there are so many clubs around so many segments uh, you know club around space uh, aviation wine you know cigar clubs uh, dogs cats uh, I even find found one uh, club around snakes snakes flower but I was surprised there were not clubs around technology and really, because technology, as I said, it's, it's my passion. It's what I did, what I'm doing. And so that I said, okay, why not to, to bring it together, this uh, club's uh, culture of London, together with building the investment unit to bring like-minded people who'd like to invest in technology, who'd like to source the best projects, in a club and that's what i did and that's that's and that's i think that's uh, answering your question by uh, i'm not doing it alone i'd like to do it as a community as the club very good well that is very clear and i think makes a lot of sense uh can you then tell us about the kind of uh deals that you are you and your colleagues in the uh in the club are looking to make i mean where is uh, i know you've talked about your sweet spot because there are many stages of technology companies particularly unquoted private equity companies uh what is your kind of sweet spot and uh you know if you're making an allocation what sort of size are you making through your uh, through your fund uh well um uh, i'll start with sectors we are sector agnostic but historically, uh, the, our major uh, segment is fintech, probably because we are in London. Uh, then uh, second is uh, SaaS platform, so marketplaces. Then uh, the third one is uh, uh, medtech. Now we looking for more about AI, because I personally believe that uh, the future of technology is AI, and uh, whatever sector, technology sector you'll take, the AI would be behind of this sector. If we are talking about fintech, AI will be behind. If we are talking about uh, the you know, healthcare, biotech, AI should be behind and will be behind. So that's why I think the AI is the core technology, which is uh, not easy to invest, not easy to find the really the best companies there. But if you have an expertise, you can do very well in this sector. So this is our uh, future in terms of the sector. So uh, geographically, 60-65% uh, 60, of our investments are in the US. Then uh, 40, probably 30, 40% in uh, the UK and Europe, and uh, about 10% is emerging markets. 
Uh, now we're also going to, uh, to increase our emerging market share, especially due to the Africa and uh, uh, the, uh, the Arab world. So MENA region is, uh, will be one of our priorities. So not a lot, but anyhow, we'd like to increase this, uh, this uh, geography in, in our in company from these regions in our portfolios. In terms of investment side, so our smallest investment was uh, 500k, our largest one was uh, 5 million, and uh, last year we uh, deployed about 35-40 million US dollars. And the kind of companies that you're investing in rather than not just the sectoral basis, but the uh... Uh, what sort of stage are these companies at? Is there any typical kind of company you're investing in? Uh, because yes, there's a wide continuum. Sweet spot. Okay. Yes. So. <laughs> the sweet spot, yes. <laughs> our sweet spot are the companies with a valuation between 100 mil and 1 billion. And I explain why. Uh, because uh, the early stage companies are more risky. It's a totally separate business uh, when you should invest in 100 companies and be ready that uh, more than half failed. And so that's it's much more difficult selective process and readiness to, to, to get rid of many assets uh, if they're not fulfilled that good. So uh, we, we don't touch it. Then if we are talking about the pre-IPO companies, that uh, there are many, many big banks who provide these opportunities to high net worth individuals. If you go to Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, UBS, whatever, all of them now providing these kind of opportunities in pre-IPO companies. But the uh, our sweet spot is exactly the, uh, the 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 spot where investor needs professionals. So it's it's very hard at one, very difficult to get access to the best companies in this sweet spot, and uh, you need an expertise how to choose the best one, which would provide the best return. So this that's we believe where we can give to our members our expertise that's why we choose it okay so now we, it'll be interesting to talk to you about where we are in technology investing at the moment obviously you don't have to uh, uh read many newspapers before you read you know stories about how uh, nasdaq has uh, plummeted how many tech companies including some of these pre-ipo companies which are on very rich valuations have have come down a lot in value um, what has been happening in your area, in other words, the area of, of the size that you're talking about, uh, what has been happening to uh, valuations and what do you think is going to happen to that? Are they immune from what's going on in the wider world of rising bond yields and so on? So uh, no one is immune. So, and definitely uh, public market connected with private, private connected with public. So maybe uh, we just discuss it internally and uh, uh, inside of our team and in our investment team, the uh, private market versus 
public is much more reactive. So what happening right now in public market probably will see the reaction in, uh, in private market in one quarter, maybe half a year. Because companies raising money once per year. And so that if, for example, they had a very successful round in December on the top of the market, probably they'll go back to market only December this year. So that's why now private market, we don't see too many changes. For example, in Q1, there were just 5% down rounds according in, in the US. So, so we don't see anything bad. However, now many investors already very, very careful to deploy their cash because cash now is everything. So that's why investors waiting for correction in, in the private market as well and don't want to deploy capital like they did even in Q1. So are we waiting for the correction? Yes, we, we, we will have a correction. The most affected sector would be pre-IPO companies with valuation above 1 billion. And we see already in the secondary market that we have a lot of sales with not not so not a discount what we had any for the public market but already we see 15 20% discount for the most valuable com company from private sector so the question is how long this uh, crisis lost or this correction lost either we'll have a recession in the US or will not have in the recession. Either, even if we have the recession, either it's going to be mild recession or it will be severe recession. These are the question which no one can answer. We can just say that, okay, the probability of this scenario is that, the probability of that scenario is that. So, but that's what we can say right now. And so if it's lost this uh, situation in, in the public market lost, for example, year. So maybe some companies who had some rounds in, uh, in, uh, in 2021 would even not feel this correction because investments uh, in tech is, is a lot about emotions as well. So that's uh, if uh, the investors are positive, if they see, look at their public stock that it's raising, that they're raising the, 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 and the, the, that they, they are much more comfortable to invest in less liquid assets. And that's also very important uh, so that, uh, part of the investor's behavior. Uh, but definitely summarize it. We are waiting for the correction. Every correction is a great opportunity because we have better access uh, to, 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 to the deals, to the best companies. The, we, we have uh, much more reasonable 
multiples and valuation. Another point, by the way, that's what we see right now uh, with uh, some of, of the companies that before 2021, if company have their round less than 2x compared with the previous round, they consider it to be kind of the losers. So, in, no, no, that's true. That's true. So, and uh, and uh, average, 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 median. Yeah, that's, I was uh, really impressed by this statistic. The average uh, increase in, in, between rounds in the US was 230%. So, more than twice, 270, I think, even 2.7 times. Now, now the companies which are growing at the same pace like they did before, like 100% period, let's say that. Now they are looking for the next round with 20, 30% above the previous round, which is means the, that the correction in terms of the, uh, in terms of the multiples almost 50, 60% below what they did last year, which more or less correspondent already to public markets. So, but because their pace, the question either they're able to keep this pace, this is a question, but if they do that, they already, even without down rounds, would uh, keep going maybe, with a slow pace, but still raise money up and up. So, and, and this is opportunity for investors. That's why I'm very, very convinced about our fund three, because now we, we didn't start to invest from fund three. Actually, we, we, we did, we, 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 we invested uh, in just in one company so far, but uh, we have, uh, more than 27 million in cash. And uh, we in a great position, we, 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 we can negotiate, we can choose the best opportunities, we can select best opportunities. And I'm really, really happy with that. Right. So there's a, there's an upside in every downside, so to speak. Uh, and uh, of course, that's, uh, that's a good, a good story. Um, I guess the, the question then people might have is if you're investing in, an, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, in your sweet spot area, what is the expected time horizon now to realizing the value of that investment? Uh, has, it, has it lengthened effectively because of what's going on in the public markets? Uh, you might be getting in more, more, more at better prices, but uh, does it actually extend the expected term of your, of your holding? Yes, you're absolutely right. So uh, originally, uh, we, we, we planned that our uh, uh, exit horizon is between uh, three and five years. Probably now that uh, we would extend it uh, to, uh, to, to, to maybe for one year period. But I don't think that would affect uh, to, to the return. We as planned as we provide 25% IRR, we, we're still going to deliver it to our investors. For, for example, uh, the, uh, our fund uh, one, we have now above 70% IRR. Okay, taking into account current correction, 
that would definitely somehow affect our performance of our fund as well. But but still, I don't believe that will go below 25% RR, which is, I think it's a really uh, the amazing spot for our investors to keep, uh, to, to save uh, money or, and to generate uh, additional wealth. Because, okay, uh, the, the question is, maybe it's great strategy to keep cash right now, but with inflation above 8% means to keep in cash mean you're paying 8% every year maybe for short term period it's good strategy but how long investor could keep cash without investing it i don't think it would last long but as soon as they start to invest the valuation will go up immediately immediately behavior would change like that indeed so let me just be clear about these funds. So you you you've been doing one fund every year, I think that's right. So so fund one, fund two, and now you're onto fund three. Um, and uh, tell us about the uh, performance so far. I mean, you mentioned fund one, uh, the IRR, and you mentioned your target and what it's doing at the moment. Uh, but that may obviously reduce in the current market climate. What do you think the? Do you think the therefore from what you're saying that the uh, expected returns from fund three? Should be higher than the ones from from uh, yeah from fund one, or would they be lower? Uh, you know, uh, I think it's question about the period. So uh, that's one of the advantage to uh, invest for longer period is to be guaranteed with quite stable return, whatever happened in between. So uh, th th that's why uh, investment in uh, private market, probably now the best investment strategy because no one doubts that uh, whatever this crisis or this correction, you can call it as, as you want, uh, that's lost. And then market went go up as soon as uh, the Federal Reserve resolve their first target, which is inflation, they move immediately to the second one to support markets, immediately. So that's why I don't believe that that would last long. Uh, in terms of uh, our strategy, it could be, uh, it's very, very difficult to compare different funds because it's we have a period of time. It could be good year, it could be not good year. But I believe that's why our target is 25% IRR. We are we're going to deliver it, whatever fund is it, at least fund one, fund two, fund three and over the some period of time. And this is our target. I don't want to say that the fund one was the best one, the fund two may be more difficult one. It's not true. It's maybe all one year period, yes, but it's not correct to compare because we could have this bad and good years over five years period or seven years period several times. 
What has been your experience with the first fund so far in terms of uh, realizations? I mean, there's two ways you can you can realize these investments. You can, uh, well, there's more than two ways, but basically there's a choice between you can eventually come to a public market or you can do a trade sale or you can do a sale to another private equity uh, firm. What has been your experience so far in terms of that? Or are you still essentially holding the same things that you did when you set up? No, actually, uh, uh, I think that the right strategy is, is a combination of what you mentioned right now. So, and actually what we did with our fund one, uh, we had uh, two IPOs. Uh, we have one uh, M&A deal. Uh, and uh, we sold uh, uh, one of the our assets uh, on the secondary market. So uh, in terms of the secondary market, it, secondary market, we did it under the supervisor of the company. It was uh, Revolut because we invested in Revolut at a valuation uh, four point something uh, billion. And then we sold half of our holdings uh, at the valuation of 33 billion. So that was very, very successful story for Indeed. us. And we could sell more, but it was my decision that so to keep half of it because I really believe in, in revenue. And this is exactly what we are going to, to do. So maybe, maybe, uh, for example, right now, again, it's quite a short period of time, maybe uh, the M&A deals are maybe more, uh, I would say they, they should be more M&A deals rather than IPOs. For example, we already have uh, uh, the first exit uh, from our fund too. For less than uh, eight months, we uh, we sold the uh, company, our shares in company, because it was a company. Robin was acquired by big Japanese uh, telco holding uh, Rakuten, and we had 1.5x over eight uh, months from the fund uh, from from the fund too, and it, it was our first exit. So it's also good during this time, and I think that uh, this. Uh, uh, m and deals would be more and more often, at least uh, over 2022, rather than IPOs. But again, that's that short period. Maybe now we have this kind of deals. Next day we'll have another uh, uh, types of deals. The, you know, very important for the fund, for the manager of the fund, to adapt its the fund strategy to the current market situation. That's very, very, very important to be adaptive. For example, uh, you're right, that's, uh, we, we, we uh, raise money for the next fund every year and we deploy capital every year uh, for over one year. Now, for example, with the fund three, we made a decision that we deploy capital, extend the deploying capital for the another at least six months, but maybe in another six months to give us as a manager more flexibility in terms of the investing. We don't want to have a pressure to spend our money now. We'd like to have flexibility to choose the best companies to invest in rather than to have a pressure to, to, to put money to, to somewhere and then to raise new funds. Uh, what's important?
What's the point indeed? Um, just looking back over your whole career then as in, in, uh, in private equity, um, what has been the proportion between winners and losers effectively? In other words, is it an 80-20 type of thing where you know, 20% of the investments make 80% of the return or is it even more extreme than that? I mean, in other words, how important is it to diversify in order to uh, to find the winners that are going to deliver most of the return? Uh, actually, to, 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 to select proper investment opportunity is the key for the investor. You should select the best companies and to get access to these companies to get allocation because getting allocation is very very difficult even if you know yes i'd like to invest in this company but the company say no thank you i'm two times oversubscribed so uh this is two major tasks in terms of our <coughs> failure rate so we invested over uh, the club existence in probably already about 60 companies, roughly. And uh, we have uh, one company which became bankrupt out of 60. And just one company which has down round. So, so I think it's very impressive results. That, that's my opinion. Of course, well, that is very impressive by comparison, but I guess it is still quite early days for these funds. It's only, we've only been going for three years, as you say, in the first case. Um, can I ask you about the thorny subject of fees in funds? I mean, uh, private equity funds are always uh, uh, sometimes criticised, sometimes uh, applauded for their uh, high fees, given the amount of work that they do. Uh, what are the fees that you charge on your uh, funds and uh, how do they compare to the industry uh, Norm, uh, you know, it's. I would say we are very normal <laughs> <laughs> in terms of in terms of fees. So we charge a two percent uh, management fee. Uh, in terms of curry, uh, we have uh, we charge fifteen percent for the return up to two point five x. Then uh, after two point five we charge 20 and then after 3.5 we charge 25 percent so actually our carry is more flexible as normal mini funds just just 20 whatever returns they deliver we 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 we, we have a flexible rate but but uh for those who invest in fund we provide the to be the member of the LTC for free. So let's say the minimum uh, membership fee for to be a member of uh, the London Technology Club is uh, 8K pounds. So it's about, let's say 10,000 uh, US dollars. So if investor invest in, in a fund, which is a minimum one mil, mean 10,000 K is exactly 1%. So it means that actually the investor pay 1% management fee because one is covering the membership fee to the club. And yep. also we bring a lot, a lot of additional opportunities uh, to our 
investors to the fund so because many of our investors are not just investing to fund but also uh, they are investors uh, to co-invest in different companies wages they like more apart from investing into fund and we also provide this opportunity so, so there are a lot of uh, added value apart from to be just discretionary investor in the fund okay so uh, as always with these things um you know you you get what you pay for or you pay for what you get uh it depends how you put it i mean there has been some high profile issues recently i'm sure you're familiar with the story of uh, chrysalis for example uh where they collected a very large performance fee and then subsequently the share price has fallen by you know 50 percent or something that presumably doesn't do your industry any favors that kind of experience yeah yeah you're right yeah you're, you're absolutely right yeah okay so uh, let's end on a, on a on a positive note then looking ahead um we are in this difficult period of high inflation rising bond yields uh, and tech sell-off in the public markets um but uh what i'm hearing from you is that you don't think that the outlook for those who invest in this sector today is any worse if they're going to stick it out for the five plus years that uh, you've been talking about? Is Would that be a fair summary of, of what you're saying? Uh, no, I think that's even better right now because the most successful investments, what we did was uh, during the downturn. So that's uh, when the market is in the lowest level. For example, uh, in fund one, uh, I mentioned already Revolut. I uh, remember that uh, we invested in Revolut in uh, at the end of March uh, of uh, 2020, just, just when the lockdown in the UK was announced. And many people told me, Constantine, you are crazy. That's almost five billion valuation. All markets down thirty percent. What are you doing? You are crazy. <laughs> and then we sold those shares in one and a half year period at a valuation of thirty-three billion. So, and that's a great example of how to invest during difficult time because you have more opportunities. You have uh, more choices. And the, the question is, again, um, it's easy to invest when the markets are going up. Because even non-professional householders could buy shares of Amazon, Google, or whatever. And then no one cares if it's uh, go up for 20%, 100%, 80% at the end, yes? Everything, everyone will get a gain and everyone, every investor is happy. Either you're a professional investor or you're a non-professional investor. During difficult time, you should delegate it to professionals because only professionals could choose where to invest, how to invest and how to choose the best opportunities. And that's what I'm telling to my club members. So now delegate delegate give it so to, to the those who knows so 
have another glass of wine, have another cigar, and uh, enjoy the moment. Yes, <laughs> and don't look at your public stock too often. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good advice for everybody, actually. Very good advice, indeed. <laughs> okay, so, well, Constantine, thank you very much for uh, sharing your insights with us and uh, for your time today, and uh, I wish you well with your uh, London Technology Club. Thank you, thank you. It was a pleasure.